Hey everybody, welcome to the Doghouse, your inside look at the Cleveland Browns off-season edition. Lots to get to. Andy McNamara alongside Matt Florjancic from WKYC Sports in Cleveland. We are brought to you by Cleveland Whiskey, and you can listen along on Dogs by Nature, of course. Track us there on Twitter at AndyMC81 and at Matt Florjancic. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Been a little while. We did a, a pre-Super Bowl show and then just kind of tracking everything that's been going on with the Browns. So have, I'm back from my Disney vacation and everything, so we're, we're ready to go. How are you? I'm hanging in there, man. It's been a busy offseason. Uh, seems like every day something else is popping up. And uh, in, in a lot of cases, it's been pretty good. But there's been uh, there's been a couple of marks along the way that are like, well, this is going to go over real well. So, yeah. you know, just typical off season for the Browns. This is my seventh full-time head coach Oof. in 11 plus years covering the team. So yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of commonplace. I was kind of used to, to it. with the off season where there's not a coaching hire. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of used to it. The good thing is we still have the quarterback position taken care of for this season. We don't know going now, forward. <laughs> right. We, yeah. At least we're not hunting for a QB in the draft. That is that is a nice, you know, if Matt, if you're in the business of tracking who's the best offensive lineman at the combine and, and scouting that your team is probably in decent shape from a talent perspective, at least from the quarterback position. That's where we're at. And that's that's a good thing. That's where I'm fe- who knows how Stefanski and the coaching staff is going to do. Who knows what talent is going to be retained, replaced, drafted, etc. But at least if we're looking at, at offensive tackles, I feel it, it feels like there is some hope compared in years past, of course, where it's like, well, who's the quarterback? Yeah, it's uh, a better feeling to go to the combine and not have to worry about the quarterbacks as much, although they still will be front and center and you know, at the combine and everybody's interested in what Joe Burrow's going to oh, do. Man. I think that's the story of yeah. the off season. Uh, if Burrow goes number one overall, which I imagine he would, is he going to demand a trade? Oh, or is he going to be willing to risk it and sit out another year and try to get drafted by a better team next year? Because he's being advised by Jordan Palmer, who's over played for the Bengals. I think Jordan did too for a while. I mean, Carson came out, ripped the Bengals, and said they were never about winning. They never wanted to win the Super Bowl. Uh, it was just about, you know, money to the to the Browns. And it's like, wow, that does uh, a pretty big indictment there. And then you've got the number one quarterback prospect saying, hey, you know, we uh, – uh, you know, my my team and I we have uh, we have leverage in this, and it's like, oh boy, this is going to get oh. real quick. Wow. Well, that you know what I I love Joe Burrow as a prospect, and I wouldn't shed any tears if he did not go to the Cincinnati Bengals. Because man, if we can avoid a guy who to me is the best pure talent quarterback coming up, as sure a thing as you can be at this point since Andrew Luck, in my opinion, uh, I and, and he can be out of division. Yes, please. Browns fans, let, let, let's let's do our best. Let, let's do our, our football prayers to the football gods to make that happen. Because if I don't have to see Joe Burrows for the next 15 years, every, two times a year, I'll, I'll be pretty happy. If you can avoid Joe Burrow twice a year. Yeah. And knowing that you already have to deal with Lamar Jackson two times a year. For now. And Ben Roethlisberger for at least another year or two. What, or 
however long he decides to play. Yeah, you'd be in pretty good shape. That would be all right. <laughs> I would much rather look at Andy Dalton. I wonder, Matt, what the if they'll go the route that it's kind of fitting. Eli Manning retired, and it would be possibly a similar situation to when he was drafted in the Phil Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger draft in 2004, where the 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 Chargers said we're drafting it. Eli said, "Don't draft me. Not going to play for you." And then the trade happened with New York, and to varying degrees, it worked out for both franchises. I wonder if we see that type of situation where maybe it's all right. Bengals draft Burrow, and another team drafts Tua or whoever your your prospect of fancy is, and they swap. I don't know. It's hard to get comparable value, though. Oh, totally for oh, Joe yeah. Burrow. I mean, you'd have to throw in another first. You're round talking pick or about a sure. Yeah, you really would. Uh, you're talking about a sure a first rounder. Yeah. As there's been in a long time. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he's the consensus number one prospect. He, he's going to go number one overall. But if he's not willing to play for your franchise and he's going to be a malcontent from day one, oh. you're going to have to come up with another option. That leads to potentially to a tug of Iloa. Uh, then you've got who I don't uh, like, Herbal, who was going to be a top five pick last year and decided to go back to Oregon because he didn't like any of the top five teams picking. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's interesting. I would say Hubert would probably be more, most likely to be involved in some kind of deal mm-hmm. only because Tua's hip, we don't know how it is. And we'll find out a little bit at the combine, but still. Yeah. Who knows how much he's recovered from that horrific injury. Herbert's kind of that next level down, and we're going to break all these these different prospects down. Of course, we'll focus on the Browns. Uh Ones where we'll be looking at offensive tackles, of course, wide receiver. Gosh, the secondary, Matt. Let's get to that. TJ Carey released part of a group of releases, including Demetrius Harris, tight end brought in by Dorsey. TJ Carey is the one out of the group released, which freed up just over $13 million in cap space, that I don't like because he played, I believe, every game, Matt. He played well. He was a backup and kind of a back-and-forth type of guy, but he was a really good depth spot and and fill in and and could play and did create some turnovers. I don't like that when that secondary is razor thin right now, especially at safety and at cornerback depth. Is it razor thin enough to be the number one need heading into the offseason for the Browns? More so than tackle. It, are, it, it, in your mind, do you think that's right? No. That it's more so than tackle? No, I, I, I think it's offensive tackle is number one. I think, I think left tackle... And, and then I think, safety. I, I think you need to sign a left tackle. You need to draft a right tackle yep. who could be a left tackle yep. and waiting. I'm with if you. you want. Invest in the offensive line. I love Joe mm-hmm. Marcy and what he was able to do, getting talent infused into the roster that had been when he took over. But he forgot about the lines. <laughs> By the he kind of left the offensive lines be how they were. Um, and that wasn't exactly the best move for this franchise. Now the guys who come in after him have to rebuild the offensive line, uh, rebuild the offensive, and, and somewhat the defensive line too. But uh, I still think that tackle is your number one need, and I would put safety right behind it. You're not going to get an elite safety uh, with your second-round pick, or you're not likely to anyway, 
but you can get a solid starter and a contributor at that spot. And no you're going to need to sign them in free agency too, Matt. Like, like this is a multi good. It's just like tackles. You're, it, it is a multi-purpose thing, and you're going to have to pay up for a safety. There's a a couple Vikings who are tied to Stefanski that are going to be available, but you're going to have to pay up for a safety, and you're going to have to pay up for a, a, a tackle in free agency. That's that's where the big money is going to have to be spent. And we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, that yeah. structure, that, that how they're going to spend the money, if they're going to spend the money. We don't know that because this is a completely new regime. They're going to be sort of. analytics-driven. Even though they said they were scout-centric, they're going to be analytics-driven uh, to a, a very big degree. And we don't know what they can uh, conceive as being the number one need of this team. We think we know what it is, right. but those guys in that room, I'm not sure that they've settled on what their needs actually are. Oh, boy. Well, Matt, here's the other thing, too, that gives me a little bit of hope that the offensive line might be addressed is in this previous analytics, the, the first version led by Sashi Brown, they did spend, sink a lot of money into Kevin Zeitler at that guard position, made him the highest paid guard in football. So the, the, now you sold Joe Thomas at that time, of course, but you, at least it was addressed. Now, I don't know if that carries over. I don't they, know if that's the same mindset. Yeah, I don't know. They gave Zeitler that huge contract because the year before they screwed up on Mitchell Schwartz. Yes, they did. Who, who and just they won the Super know Bowl? that. I mean, the guy was an all-decade performer at right tackle. Like He's pretty good at football, and you had a contract on the table with him and you said, hold on a second, we're not sure. And then they called the Chiefs, and now he's got a ring. So you yep. still need a tackle, you know, yep. four seasons later. Wow. Great. Great planning. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, still and, and, trying to plug holes from that first regime. Well, and, and you still have Chris Hubbard. Like, now you have Chris Hubbard, who I'm fine, I would be totally fine letting go of. I wonder, though, Matt, I've read some things that maybe he'd be better suited in a Stefanski style, which is – kind of an offshoot of that Kyle Shanahan uh, zone read type because he's more athletic. Now, this is going back to when we remember when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator with the Browns, when you weren't looking for necessarily power linemen who push forward. You look for athletic linemen that can move horizontal and then go from there. So I wonder maybe Hubbard's a better look, but he, he, he has not been impressive in his tenure with Cleveland. Yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see how this system works out. I would think that they're going to give him first crack at competition unless they draft a guy number uh, in the first round at number 10. Um, then I could see that guy getting the opportunities ahead of Chris Hubbard. But, yeah, I mean, if they feel he's a good fit and they try to take advantage of his athleticism, maybe he does stick around. The other need, Matt, of course, is going to be complimentary pass rusher for Miles Garrett, who, hallelujah, is is reinstated and brought back in. I think it's been talked about enough. The uh, Mason Rudolph comments, we can, uh, unless you got something significant to add there, we can skip by that. I think that's been talked about uh, to death. Um, yeah. I would just say if I were on either side, Mason or Miles, let it go. Whatever's been said, let it go. Move on with your career. It's not going to help you in any way, shape, form, or fashion to keep talking about it if you're Miles or to keep defending it and threatening legal action if you're Mason Rudolph. The NFL does not want that. Yeah, they want that story to go away. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, Olivier Vernon, 
is is a, a I'm shocked he wasn't in the first round of cuts with all that money being owned and the lack of production. I cannot see him back on the roster, Matt. Like there's got to be either a and maybe again, maybe we're in a both case scenario where you have some sort of complimentary pass rusher and then try to get a value guy in the third round or below who's maybe just a, a one dimensional pin your ears back, go get him type. Uh, but you got to address compliment Miles Garrett because if you do and you have someone that other teams have to worry about, it helps, of course, take away double teams and will free up Garrett to be the beast that he can be. This is where you miss a guy like Crazy Carl. Carl oh. would have been, yeah, would have been a nice addition to this roster last year, um, and he was off, you know, having good success, I believe, still with Tampa. Um, he he did oh he yeah, did okay it, yeah. They they need a complimentary rusher that isn't going to break the bank. Look, Vernon's on the tail. I think it's fair to say he's on the tail end of his career. Yeah, his best days are likely behind him, and you don't want to have to spend the kind of money that it's going to take to keep him, which I believe is somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen million dollars. He'd be wouldn't he be the most expensive player on the team? Highest paid uh, or right up there. If he's not, yeah, I would. Uh, I think I'm so. Impressed to think of anybody making more money because a lot of guys are on the rookie contract. Yeah, maybe, uh, I think it is o- Odell. Maybe I think Odell and Jarvis maybe are like Odell or Jarvis, but I thought they were in the thirteen. That's range. what I, I thought. I thought they were thirteen, fourteen ish. So, like, I, I, Matt, there's a way. Like, if they go to Olivier Vernon, say, like, "Look, man, you had a bad year. You're not going to be getting that type of coin on the open market. Take a reduced deal, restructure. That could always like if you get Olivier Vernon back at a reduced rate, and you draft a pure pass rusher. I'd be okay with that because Olivier Vernon still has to be accounted for by defenses. I just don't know if he cares enough to do that, and we'll just take his chances on the open market. That's if you have, if you give me that scenario, fine." I'm not interested in paying Olivier Vernon 15 and a half mil for missing a bunch of games with injuries. And I think he had four sacks. Yeah, I don't think they are either. I don't think there's a, an analytics model that would support that, <laughs> that decision. Not one iota. No, no. But what there is something to support, Matt, is the delicious taste of Cleveland whiskey. How you like that? That's a professional broadcasting twist right there baby how you like that huh go get yourself a some segue, man right do it <laughs> clevelandwhiskey.com i enjoyed last night i had matt you know what cleveland whiskey put out on instagram at cleveland whiskey and on twitter at cleve whiskey they put out a picture they said they had an old-fashioned recipe and i have my own little twist to it so i, I made my own but i just like you know what that looks pretty good. So I was doing a little bit of research, and I made myself a delicious Cleveland whiskey old-fashioned hit the spot. But you can check out all the great flavors at clevelandwhiskey.com, locally downtown, or even if you're out of state or, or out of downtown Cleveland, just go to clevelandwhiskey.com, check out all where you can pick up the product. It's all over the place. Like there, there's If you're out in, in Maine, if you're in uh, the Carolina, like there's all sorts of different spots and award-winning products. Just tremendous, tremendous uh, people, recipes and all that, family-owned and, and driven and, and everything. So check them out, clevelandwhiskey.com. Um, Matt, well, shout out to Rebecca. I yeah, I love Rebecca. last week. I stopped in at the gift shop to pick up a gift from the baby mom for his, uh, his birthday, and uh, and buddy, I can tell you that your reputation precedes you, because <laughs> I didn't even mention your name, I just mentioned the fact that I had a friend from Canada who comes in every year and makes sure he gets two bottles to take home, and she instantly knew who I was yes. because of you, so thank you. <laughs> 
I love it. No, Rebecca is awesome. I absolutely love Rebecca. They do such good work there too. No, they we when we were in for training camp, uh, went on a, a nice tour of the facility and everything, and they they just make you feel like family. That's and you can feel it in the product too. So um, I was hoping, Matt, maybe that was code for you're gonna you're gonna sneak across the border with a, a, a bottle or two for me too. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Eh? <laughs> I, I never right. But, <laughs> I will do my best to get up to to Canada in in the coming months to uh, make sure that you have some Cleveland whiskey. Then I'll even try to get there before the draft because I know that of all the things that happen in the NFL season, there are two things that you <laughs> love more than anything. And that's the combine and the draft. Oh. And I know you're going to want to have a nice Cleveland whiskey-infused beverage in your hand during the draft. You know that is right. Maybe even – I'll have to check if there's a Buffalo one. Celebrate, it's either, <laughs> either going to be to celebrate or to bemoan the usage of analytics yeah. once again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. I'll have to see if maybe there's a Niagara Falls kind of border-crossing uh, Cleveland whiskey location there. Maybe zip down sit down check that out too but anyway <laughs> anyway good stuff buddy uh so let's we have today it's gonna be the introduction of the coordinators to the media joe woods um with the 49ers previously of course everybody has some sort of association with kevin stefanski which is good because then there's some familiarity and it goes towards once again matt hoping everybody is on the same page um any thoughts on the corners alex van pelt you know i i would assume with that higher that means kevin stefanski's calling plays like van pelt's Bingo. Yeah, right? Like like we're we're doing it again. Yep. Yeah. I uh I can't imagine I they're can't gonna be handed over to that one hundred percent. I don't think Stefanski's giving up that play call. Wow. Here we go. How did it work uh, for Shermer Chudzinski? I think Ray. I think Joe Woods is a good hire. I think he's done a lot to build up the defensive staff yeah. and yeah. getting a, a defensive line coach out of San Francisco that had the success that they had, um, man, that, that was a coup for me. That was like, hey, man, we're finally going get, to get rolling here. The regular season had 48 sacks, and 39 of them came from the D-line. Nice. And that's, you know, they talked an awful lot in recent years about having the strengths of this team be the offensive and defensive mm-hmm. lines. Not the coaches know that on paper, you would make the argument that man, they, they're going to get the to the elite coaching that they need to be great uh, with Bill Callahan taking over the offensive line and Sam Woods helping to better uh, the defensive line along with the position coach. Um, yeah, it's I'm excited about the defense, and I'm excited about the offensive line and the running game. As long as the proper additions I are made. Don't, Personnel as long as what? As long as, the, as long as the proper personnel yeah. additions are made. Yeah, that's the key though. Like they, coaches can only do so much. They can yeah. make average players decent, and they can make great players just a step better. Mm-hmm. But they also have to have the talent yeah. first. Yeah. And if you're not, if you don't have the talent, then all the great coaching in the world isn't going to amount to anything. No. No, no, no. Hey, Matt, I do. I'm with you. I like the hire of Bill Callahan on the offensive line more so, though, because he was interim head coach with Washington. He's been a head coach in the college level 
and as well at the NFL level in previous stops. So I think that could be a nice sounding board and guide for Stefanski, maybe something where it will help him not be overwhelmed. Because, Matt, that's what we were hoping for with Freddie Kitchens, where you had Todd Munkin in to help alleviate that pressure, and he had some good coaches around him. But Freddie was just too damn stubborn to, to trust anybody and do anything with it. So if Stefanski can actually be what this whole regime has been pushing of in lockstep, harmony, and all that, and say, okay, hey, I'm going to let these guys, I'm going to let the support actually help me, and not like all those coaches of the past were like, no, 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 I have to grip onto every single thing of power because otherwise I'm not going to look good, and then you ultimately fail, then there is some hope. And I think Bill Callahan's a good, a good option to do that if Stefanski allows him to be. The only thing I would caution you on, and I agree with your point, um, that – too much information can be a bad thing. Analysis paralysis, man. And yep. I think sometimes you you have to take that information in, but also know your team, know your systems, mm-hmm. know what's going to and not going to work, and trust that. Too much, too many meetings, too many mm-hmm. voices in the ear. Bad, bad things happen. Yep. And it's um, true. You know the fact that they they sort of acknowledge that those weekly meetings with the owner are going to have to happen. I'm not a fan of that. Like you want to meet with them on, you know, Wednesday night for an hour and you say, Hey, how's the week going? Monday is like one of your prime prep days. You're, you're already started your advance on the next team. You're breaking down film. You're starting to formulate a game plan to figure out what's going to be successful. What's not going to be successful. Um, and then if the other part of it is true where they have to submit game plans to the analytics department for approval, whew, boy, you talk about getting too much information. I mean, God, God they'll, they'll be crippled when it comes to making decisions because they won't know what to do. Well, Matt, wasn't that denied? Oh, now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but wasn't it denied by Dee Podesta and Stefanski about the submitting of the um... – of the plays yeah, and all that? It, it is, but it is, or it has been denied, but I'm still, eh, hmm. I'm, I'm a wait and see kind of guy on okay. this one. I, okay. I, I, I want to see what these game plans actually look like. Yeah. And look, if the analytics department is this team in a 10 and 6, 11 and 5, I'm not going to complain at let's all. Let's go. I'm yeah. just going to sit back and enjoy the ride. Just let's get to the playoffs. Let's go. That's right. Um, I don't know. We'll ultimately see. I mean, that's the thing is we, we we can talk a lot, but we don't know anything yet. And we won't know anything for another seven months. No. Nope. Yeah. And there's still seven so... months oh, God. before we know anything when the real bullets start to fly, as they like to say in the NFL. Yeah. And there's still so much to go. There's the combine, which is starting up February 27th. We'll give you we'll make sure we got some great uh, coverage on what the Browns should be looking at and off of the prospects because um, myself and, and you will be studying that very closely. Then the then there's free agency, then the drafts. There's so much more to come still. Uh, but this is the this is the coaching staff on paper. Looks good. Last year's coaching staff looked good outside of maybe the head coach. So we'll have to wait and see. But we're we're back to another unproven first time guy. Stefanski maybe looks more of the part, Matt. But uh, heck, you know we've had we've had rough around the edges. We've had full time, uh, long term, older coach. It, it, nothing has has worked. So I'm with you. I'm, I need to wait and see if it's gonna if 
if it's going to go and how it plays out. And it begins with getting the damn personnel. You go in with a crappy tackle, an offensive line, sorry, not going to matter too much. Yeah, I agree. They absolutely have to get, to be honest with you, I think they need two tackles. I think they need yep. one. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah. I know Hubbard might get a chance to compete, but I'd like a younger kid in there uh, to be able to step in and, and left tackle. Ideally, you don't want to start a rookie unless it's freaking Joe Thomas 2.0. Um, but if you have to, I mean, there are those things. And, I mean, shoot, they started a rookie who had missed all the training camp uh, who was an undrafted free agent left tackle, and he played the first eight games of the year a couple of years ago. So, yep. I mean, anything is possible. Matt, I just uh, – uh, I, I would be more comfortable going up against an established left tackle. In free agency. Well, this this news just breaking via TMZ reports Browns left tackle Greg Robinson was arrested by Border Patrol for federal charge of possession of marijuana with the intent to distribute. Greg Robinson, I don't think you'll be back with the Browns. I didn't think you were going to be back anyway, but now really, whew, uh, he gone. Fantastic. Yeah, he's. Yeah. Uh, well, I got to go write that story yeah. up, my friend. So on that note. <laughs> yep, that just happened. So, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be back anyway, but but there you go. Make sure you're following Matt on Twitter at Matt Fleur Jancic and check out all his great work at WKYC.com slash sports. Myself at AndyMC81. Any questions, comments, whatever, your brown stuff, hit us up on Twitter. All right, buddy, go write the, the Greg Robinson story. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good, Andy. All right, there he goes. An exasperated Matt Florjancic exits. You've been listening to the Doghouse, your inside look at the Cleveland Browns, brought to you by Cleveland Whiskey, and you're listening on Dogs by Nature.